you in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. amen. High five somebody around you. Tell them you look better than you did last year. It is uh, so great to be with you this morning. My name is Pastor Nick Newman, and I just want to say welcome. On behalf of myself, my wife, and the rest of the team here at Propel, we consider it an honor to get to spend this morning with you. I've got some friends who are handing you a note card, and I'll explain what that's for in just a little bit, because we are kicking off a brand new year, and we're believing that God is doing new things, and we know God's doing some new things because the Patriots aren't in the Super Bowl. Can I? <laughs> that's right. That's right. So I'm just saying, 2020 is a new year. <laughs> but uh, no, we're, we're super excited for the new year because with the new year comes a great opportunity to see God do some incredible things. So you've just been given a note card by some people on our team and a pen. And here's what we'd love for you to do. Today, we are kicking off 21 days of prayer and fasting as a church. And we want to pray with you over the course of these 21 days. And so during the message today, if you have something that you want to pray for or you're believing God for during 21 days of prayer, we want you to write that down on the card because at the end of the message, you're going to have the opportunity to drop those down at the front. We host a prayer gathering every night of the week during 21 days of prayer. And what we would love to do is pray over those and stand with you in prayer. So you've got those note cards, you've got a pen if you want to fill those out while we're doing it. But today we're kicking off a brand new series. But before we do that, I just want to hit pause for a moment and say welcome to every first person who's a first-time guest with us. Church, can you help me welcome every person here for the first time? I mean, we are so honored that you would spend uh, your first Sunday of the year, and congratulations, you got perfect church attendance for 2020 so far. So we're, we're pumped that you're here today. We're going to kick off a brand new series today called Run With It. It comes from Habakkuk 2.2. It's going to be our theme verse for this entire series. It says this, and the Lord answered me, write the vision, make it plain on tablets, so that he who reads it may run with it. I don't know if you grew up in or around churches kind of like I did, but there were plenty of times where I didn't know how to run with God's word that was given to me. And what we want to do on in this series especially is make sure that when you and I not only have God's vision, but it's clear enough that we can do something with it. And so as we kick off 21 days of prayer and fasting, here's what I want you to do. If you're taking notes this morning, the first thing you can write down is this. We believe that prayer and fasting are crucial for a thriving relationship with God. We believe that prayer and fasting are crucial for a thriving relationship with God. Now, now I have the opportunity to coach pastors and church planters all around the world, and it's a great opportunity. And one of the things that they, they talk about from time to time is like, what's the secret sauce behind what you guys are doing? And I'll tell you, it's not the fact that the pastor's good looking. <laughs> you didn't have to laugh that hard, right? Like, <laughs> no, no, the secret sauce to what we do is prayer and fasting is that we set aside intentional time a couple times a year to really make sure we keep the main thing the main thing. That we're fasting and we're praying. And in just four and a half years in a town of 2,000 people, we've seen over 600 people make decisions for Jesus and baptize 294 people. So that's something to get pumped about. We're excited for that. We believe that the best days have yet to come. And I believe that for your life and mine, prayer and fasting is something that's crucial for a thriving relationship with God. Now, here's the truth. You don't have to pray or fast to get into heaven. In fact, the only thing you need to get into heaven is Jesus. 
However, if you want to experience heaven on earth, you do need to pray and fast. There are some things that God requires of you and I to see him move while we're still here. And so what I want to do is I want to take you to a passage of the Bible in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. You may not be familiar with this passage of scripture at all, but I, you, you may leave here today with a new favorite story in the Bible. Now, if we go back to 2 Chronicles chapter 19, what we see is this great revival has broken out. These men and women are turning from their ways back to God's way. They've decided that, hey, I, I've kind of realized that if I'm the one that's calling the shots, I kind of mess things up, but I'm going to refocus. I'm going to turn back to God. I'm going to take God's standard of morality. I'm not going to just focus on the way I feel or do what I think is right. I'm going to look to God and do what he says is right. And as they're turning back to God, as they're shifting their focus on him, man, great things are happening. And I believe some of you are here today in the beginning of 2020 to see just that. You're turning back to God. You're saying, all right, God, look, 2019 may not have been my year, but praise God, it doesn't define you, right? You can have a new year in 2020, and you're seeking after God. You're believing for great things. But it says, this is verse, chapter 20, verse 1, after this, the armies of the Moabites, Ammonites, and some of the Mennonites declared war on Jehoshaphat. Now, Jehoshaphat was the, the king of the time, and, and all the people were turning to God, and they were focusing on God, and they were doing all the right things. And you would think that when you do all the right things, nothing bad happens to you. But all of us are going to have an after this moment. All of us in 2020, if you're turning to God, if you're seeking after him this year, you're going to have a moment that starts with, after this, a battle happened. Because here's the truth for you, point number one whatever, <laughs> you're either in a battle or will go into one this year. Like, I know you were waiting for that encouraging 2020 word, new year, new me, but, but I would be remiss if I didn't tell you, if you were trying to follow God this year, you're going to have a fight on your hands. Like, there's going to be a battle. I, I like to say it like this, that following Christ is, is not like peaches and cream. It's a lot like Rocky Road. Come on, my ice cream people. It's not easy. In fact, a lot of times it's more difficult. It was a lot easier in my life to do the things I wanted to do, to, to live by my own desires. You're going to enter into a battle. You're going to go into some hardships. And I would say this, if you're not experiencing any opposition or any battles, then it's because the enemy isn't afraid of you. You're not even on his radar. Sometimes we get into battles and we go, oh, if, if I'm in a battle, it means I'm out of God's will. No, no, no. God always rescues people in the middle of a battle. Right. Maybe the reason why you're in a battle is because you're right in the middle of God's will. So you're either going to go into a battle or maybe you're in one today. Regardless, you and I have some decisions to make. Making decisions really aren't difficult. It's the next steps that come after that that really are when decisions mean something. Because you can make the decision all day that you want to get grow closer in your relationship with God and spend more time with God. But if you don't open your Bible, it doesn't work. I can make the decision that I want to lose weight. But you know what that means? That means i got to go to the gym and i got to keep driving past Krispy Kreme, right? Because hot and now means fat later. I mean, that's just, that's, that's the only thing you get today. Just hold on to that. 
So let's keep reading in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. It says this in verse 3. That Jehoshaphat was terrified by this news. And none of us who are going through battles are really pumped that we're going to go through hardships. So he finds out that he's going to go into this battle, and there's armies that are up against them. They're outnumbered on the low end, four to one, high end, six to one. They're outnumbered regardless. So he's terrified by this news, and he begged the Lord for guidance. Then this is what he says. He also ordered everyone in Judah to begin fasting. So the people from all the towns of Judah came to Jerusalem to seek the Lord's help. What we see is in this passage right here, 2 Chronicles 23, 4, that prayer and fasting is crucial because the truth is we need guidance. I, I need guidance going into 2020. I need guidance and direction. And when I'm going through battles or know I'm going to go through battles in the future, who I turn to when I experience those hardships makes all the difference in the world. For some of us, when we go through tough times, when we go through hardships, the place we turn is to alcohol or social media or all these things. And I'm just going to tell you, I think there's a different way to do it in 2020. You don't have to keep turning to those things. You can seek after God. And so if you grew up in church, you maybe know what a fast is. And that was that time of year where your pastor always looked mad and, <laughs> and grumpy. But... Um, I want to talk to you for just a second about a couple different kinds of fast that take place. Because fasting really is just for the purpose of disconnecting from the world and connecting to God. So, so life gets cluttered. Right? We have all of these things that clutter our lives. And what fasting does is it allows you to set those things aside and focus on God. So a couple types of fastings that there are. The first one is like a selective fast. You can go back to Daniel chapter 1 and read the fast that Daniel goes through. It was where he removed some things from his diet for the purpose of connecting to God and making sure that he was, he was stronger and more built than any of the other men in uh, the fleet that he was a part of. A selective fast for Daniel, a Daniel fast, looks like this. It's to remove meats, sweets, and breads. And some of y'all are like, ain't happening. <laughs> That's not the Lord. That's the devil. <laughs> it's not. It's not. Because here's, here's the thing. If, if there's anything in our lives that we can't live without and it's anything other than God, it means we have an idol. So what fasting does is fasting, it's so beautiful. It allows us to see the idols that we have in our lives and get rid of them. So some people, uh, we've, we've done it before where for 21 days we do a Daniel fast. and There's also things like a complete fast, which is where you just do water only and you, or, or you do just liquids complete fast or in scripture. You can find those all over the place. There's partial fast. Now this was pretty customary in Jewish times where they would just take a portion of time and fast. So maybe for 21 days you go, you know what, I'm going to fast during my, my lunch break and I'm going to give that time up. If you fast from 12 a.m. to 6 a.m., that's called sleep. That's not fasting. You do that every day. Right? It ought to hurt a little bit. It ought to be sacrificial. And then there's this thing called a soul fast, which is where you disconnect from things like social media. For, could you imagine your life without Netflix for 21 days? Because again, <laughs> that's a no. Because <laughs> right? again, if there's anything that you feel like you can't live without and it's something other than God, God wants you to get rid of it. And he may give you the opportunity to bring it back after 21 days, but he might not. 
And the reason why we don't tell you what kind of fast you need to do is because that's between you and God. Right. Like, like you, I, I don't get to be your Holy Spirit. I'm not going to tell you you have to do a selective fast or a complete fast. I think if you're going to do a selective fast or a complete fast, uh, you need to be smart about it and talk to your doctor first. Like, right. it's, that's the smart thing to do. But you need to pray and seek after God what he would have you do. And the purpose of these fasts are not that you and I would, would become more physically fit or, or anything like that. It's that the time we would spend eating or preparing those meals, we now spend opening God's word, spending time with him. Yeah. So, so if you're going to do a fast to get fit, you should just go work out. That's not why you do it. You do a fast to connect with God. Right. And you and I have to do that intentionally in 2020. I believe it's a crucial part of our walk with Christ. So we see that that's what Jehoshaphat's game plan is. They're going to pray and they're going to fast and they begin to do that. And then verse 5 through verse 11, they have this beautiful prayer. You can go back and you can read it uh, later on. And, and I would just encourage you to do that. The reason why I want you to take great notes on a Sunday morning is so that you can take these notes and go back and spend time with God. Because you need, you need to dig a little deeper than what I'm going to be able to give you in the course of a 35 and a half minute message on Sunday. So, and I got 21 minutes left. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus, take the wheel. Verse 12 is what it says. So they've gone through this big prayer. They're going back and forth and, and they're, they're talking to God. They're acknowledging his power. Then they, they talk about the attack that's coming from their enemies. And then they get to this last part of the prayer that they have to pray in verse 12. It says this, oh God, won't you stop them? We are powerless against this mighty army that's about to attack us. We do not know what to do, but we are looking to you for help. And I think that this year what we need is really to look to God for help in the middle of our situations. See, growing up, I played rec basketball and uh, Little League. I know you're thinking, man, he looks like an NBA player. And uh, so I so played rec basketball growing up. My dad was the head coach. Loved it. So, but here's what I just realized about my life. I'm a way better coach than I am an athlete. And so at 11 years old, I still had that thought. And so I'm sitting on the bench because um, I'm not playing. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and I'm coaching, right? I'm sitting there. And every now and then, my dad would turn around and gently remind me that he was the coach and that he didn't need my help. I think that the prayer we see here in 2 Chronicles 20 is really important because sometimes we try and coach God to our own outcome. We try and tell God, hey, if you just do, if here, you know what, I got this big battle and here's how I want you to take care of it. Jehoshaphat's prayer is, we don't know what to do, we just need you to do something. And I think when you come to God with an open hand and no agenda, he moves on your behalf in ways that are better than what you could ever ask, think, or imagine. Ephesians 3.20. So we keep reading in verse 13, it says this, that as all the men of Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, wives, and children, the Spirit of the Lord came upon one of the men standing there. So we pray, we fast, we seek after God. The outcome is God's Spirit falls upon us. God's Spirit comes more powerfully than ever. But look at what, who it comes to. It says upon one of the man, men who were standing there, his name was Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, son of Benaniah, son of Jael, son of Madaniah, a Levite who was a descendant of Asaph. Yeah, that's a lot of names. Yeah, because he was a nobody. And oftentimes when you pray and seek after God, God will speak through an unlikely voice. But it's contingent on you and I seeking after him. We seek him through prayer. We seek him through fasting. 
And God speaks through unlikely people. I believe that God wants to speak through each and every single one of us. But it requires us to seek after him. He said this in verse 15. Listen, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. Listen to King Jehoshaphat. This is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. Don't be discouraged by this mighty army. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, march out against them, and you will find that through the ascent of Ziz at the end of the valley opens in the wilderness, but you will not even have to fight. Take your position, and then you will stand and watch the Lord's victory. He is with you, O people of Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Go out tomorrow, for the Lord is with you. Maybe that can be one of the most encouraging verses that you read in 2020, that the battle is not yours, but God's. That the battles you go against, the things that you're facing, are not your battles. They're God's battles. And I believe this, that God wants to give you a word in the middle of your fight. They've been praying. They've been battling. They, they know that this battle is coming. And when you know a battle is coming, it's easy to get a little bit anxious, to have a little bit of fear. But what does God do? They're praying and they're fasting and God speaks a word to them. And what you don't need in 2020 is more of your friends telling you what you, they think you ought to do. You need God's wisdom and direction in your life. You need God to speak to you so loud and so clear that you know it's from him. The battle strategy for me is not to just let God do it. That's how we know. God got all the glory in what Jehaziel spoke. He said, you just need to know this. Yeah, you're gonna, there's a battle, but it's not yours. It's the Lord's. Why is the battle God's? Because he's a perfect heavenly father who loves to fight for his children. Amen. See, growing up, if I had a fight and it was my dad's fault, you know how many times I told people my dad could beat them up? <laughs> and for some of us, when we think about God as a heavenly father, it gets a little rocky because of the way we see our earthly father. But you need to know that God is just not, God's not a better version of your earthly father. He's the perfect version of your earthly father. And he fights for his children every single time. God wants to give you a word in the middle of your fight that the battle is not yours, but his. And prayer and fasting allows us to continue to see God move over and over and over again. Maybe what you and I need to do is simply declutter our lives so that we can actually hear him. Maybe we do need to remove social media or we need to take away Netflix or we need to take away things that are distracting us. And I can't tell you, I spend hours scrolling through my phone a day. You and I can just take some time, intentionally seek after God. And Jeremiah 17 is so beautiful that when we seek him wholeheartedly, we find him. It doesn't say when you seek him half-heartedly. It doesn't say when we seek him conveniently. When we give him everything. When we pray and we fast and we remove all the distractions, we find him every single time. We keep reading in verse 20. I love, I love this part. It, it says this. It says, so they consulted the people. They had this conversation. And then it said that the king appointed the singers to walk ahead of the army, singing to the Lord and praising him for his holy splendor. Now, if I was in charge, if I was the commander of the army, hypothetically, let's say for a second, I am King Jehoshaphat. My battle plan is to put the big dudes with shields in the front. Then you put the guys with the spears. Then you put the guys with the bows. I'm not going, I think we should send the worship leaders out. 
there's, they're tiny people. I'm not going, yo, put the dude with the trumpet at the front of the line. Like that, that's a good battle plan. I'm not thinking that at all. But here's what they knew. It says this, that they started singing, give thanks to the Lord, his faithful love endures forever. And at the very moment they began to sing and give praise to the Lord, the Lord caused the armies of Amnon and Moab and Mount Sarai to start fighting among themselves. Because what they knew is that things change when we worship despite our battles. So they sent the worship leaders out front because they knew we're already outnumbered. We need God to move on our behalf. And so if my situation isn't lining up with God's promises, I have a choice to focus on the fact that my reality isn't where I want it to be, or I can focus on how good my God is. So what they do is they shift their focus and they just start singing. His faithful love endures forever. His faithful love endures forever. His faithful love endures forever. What are they doing? They're reminding themselves that God is a God who was and is and is to come. That if God was faithful in the past and if God could rescue them in past battles, then surely he can rescue them out of this situation. If God had did it in the, in the past, he can do it again. Because we believe that no battle we face is a new battle for our God. So every time God comes up against a battle, he remains the same. They're not worshiping God for what he's doing right now. They're worshiping God's character for who they know him to be. Because we walk by faith and not by sight. What they couldn't see was what God was doing on the other end, but what they had to believe as they started worshiping and walking was that God would do something on their behalf. And I believe that God sometimes is just sitting in heaven waiting for your worship to move on your behalf. Because to go back to that verse in 2 Chronicles 20, it says, at the very moment they began to sing, God began to move. What if God is waiting for your worship? What if he's waiting to see who you trust and who you sing praises to in the middle of your hardship? Because he's ready. At any moment, he could have done it. But at the very moment they began to sing and give praise, he began to do something. I believe that worship is an incredible weapon for you and I because it gives you and I the ability to continue to seek after God even when we don't feel like it. Because to worship is to show love or affection to something. I can do that in, in all sorts of ways. But when I'm worshiping God, I'm choosing to say, God, it doesn't really matter how I feel. I'm, I'm worshiping you. I'm showing you love and affection for who you are, for what I know you're capable of. The same God that encounters you every Sunday in this room during worship wants to encounter you in the middle of your car, in the middle of your workplace, in the middle of your living room. And I'll say this, if the only time you worship is when you're in church, you don't have a relationship with God, you have a relationship with your church. <laughs> and that don't get you into heaven. <laughs> you need a relationship with God. God wants to speak to you. There's, there's power when we choose to, to not just listen. I, I'm not against other kinds of music. Some people will say, well, you, if you love Jesus, you can't. I, don't, I, don't, I just think you got to be careful of what you put in. Because what you put in determines what comes out. So, Because so, scripture says that it's out of the overflow of the heart that the mouth speaks. So if you ever say something, I don't know where that came from. It's real easy. It's here. <laughs> so if you want to fix what comes out of here, you got to fix this. Which means that I need to shift what goes into my heart. 
when I allow into my life, the very moment they begin to worship, things change when we worship despite our battles. Let's go to verse 24. It then says this. So when the armies of Judah arrived at the lookout point in the wilderness, all they saw were dead bodies lying on the ground. As far as they could see, not a single one had escaped. So as they begin to worship, God begins to cause confusion in the camp of the, their enemies. And their enemies begin to attack each other. And I would imagine that if you're on the journey, if you're walking and you're singing his faithful love endures forever, I can sing that with my lips, but, but Jesus said that there's going to be people who honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. So I bet, I bet, if I was a, a, a betting man, I would say that they're singing, but they're going, man, this battle's going to be rough. Like, yeah, God can do it. That's incredible. But, you know, you know God's probably going to just, like, maybe our men become four times stronger. And then the four to one, it's even. And then we still win. Like, that's a good victory. This is going to be a tough battle, though. So they're walking. They're walking. And as they get to the edge of the field where they're prepared for battle, they get to the battle and realize that God had already taken care of it. I think what happens when you and I pray and fast is that we get to that battle we've been dreading and realize that the Lord already took care of all of it. Because Scripture says when you seek first the kingdom of God, everything else is added. So we focus on God, we pray and we fast, and we realize that God takes care of the battles that every single one of us have. For some of you, you've been focusing in 2019, you focus on overcoming your addiction. This is the year where you stop trying to overcome your addiction and you start focusing on God. Because when you focus on God, you're going to get to the edge of your addiction and realize God already overcome, overcame it. Some of you have been trying to fix your marriage and you've been trying to read books and you've been trying to work and work and work and work and we're, we're trying this new communication thing where you give each other an elephant and then one of you talks or whatever. Stop. Stop. Focus on God. Then you're going to get to the edge of that battle and realize he already took care of it. Some of you have been praying for children who have walked away from the faith. And if you quit, God promise you, God loves your kids way more than you love your kids. Focus on God. Seek after him. And you'll get to the battle and realize he already took care of it. I, I saw this come to pass in my own life. We were, it was like 2014, Tori and I. Hadn't been married very long. It was November, and we were uh, getting ready for our first interest meeting as a church. For me at the line to just tell people, hey, we're going to plant a church in Mount Pleasant. The problem was, we lived in this uh, beat down house, and I ended up with a mold infection in my lungs. And, uh, I, you know, there's like a poverty line, and then there was Nick and Tori, right? Like, we were, we were like broke, broke. And so I'm going to the doctor knowing I got this mold infection in my lungs. They've been trying to take care of it. I can't, like, we can't afford it at all. So I'm like, all right, God, I can't afford this. So I'm praying. I'm, I'm just going, all right, I'm going to worship you. I whatever, we'll get there. It'll be fine. So I sit down. I start filling out the paperwork. And this lady walks up to me, and she says, hey, are, are you Nick? And I said, yeah. She says, hey, the Lord sent me down here, and she handed me $400 to cover all my medical bills. Wow. I ain't never seen this lady again in my life. But here's what I know. I sought after God first, and he took care of what I needed. We seek after him first, and everything else is added to us in life. When you pray and you fast, you come to your battle and realize that God already took care of it. Every attack of the enemy is crushed under the weight of your pursuit of God. Fear ceases when we choose 
to focus on God. All of our problems are no match for how big God is. And then the cool part is that what happened in their life, so they, they got to the battle, everybody's already dead. Then they got to do this thing called plundering, which is where you get to go and you get to reap all of the gold and the silver and basically take all the treasure and possessions from these people, which showed me that when you focus on God, there's going to be blessings that you receive for battles you didn't even have to fight. Like, because God already did it. And you get blessed because of it, because you're his sons and daughters. What I want you to do now for a second is take that note card that you got, and I want you to kind of finish writing some thoughts down on it. Maybe you haven't written anything on it. Because in a second, we're, we are, like, I, I'm just telling you, as a church, uh, during 21 days of prayer, man, I take every one of your cards, and, and I sit there, and I, and I pray over them, and just kind of go before God on your behalf. And we want to pray for you and, and stand with you in this time, because it does matter. So take a second and write some stuff down on those cards, and then during the last song, you're going to have the opportunity uh, to bring those forward. And I'll give you one second, and then I'll jump back in. I got one more verse for you. So it says this in, uh, in verse 29. It says, When all the surrounding kingdoms heard that the Lord himself had fought against the enemies of Israel, the fear of God came over them. So Jehoshaphat's kingdom was at peace, for God had given him rest on every side. I believe that for some of us, like, I don't know what your word is for 2020, but here's what I do know. I think all of us would love some peace in our life. I think all of us would love to have peace, not just in our life, but in the places that we occupy. Because it wasn't just peace for Jehoshaphat. That'd be a good story, right? We go from, man, we, we had a battle and or, or we were seeking after God and then this battle came and then we saw that, man, God already took care of it. And it was really cool because this guy named Jehaziah, which nobody had ever heard of, gave us a word. It was awesome. We got to the battle. God did it all. We got to be blessed by it, amazing, and Jehoshaphat was at peace. No, the whole kingdom. Because I think there's something powerful about corporately praying and fasting. When we corporately pray and fast, we seek God, and peace dwells in the spaces we occupy. Like, what would it look like in 2020 for peace to flood your house? I think it starts with what you do now. By praying, by fasting, by seeking after the Lord? What would it look like for peace to fill your workplace? It ain't going to start by you putting in a, a great plan of what you think is going to be awesome. It starts by you seeking after the Lord to pray and to fast. And so for the next 21 days, that's what we're going to do. Some of you are going to fast differently than others. I don't care how you fast. I think you should, because it's crucial for a thriving relationship with God. Whatever the Lord leads you to do, do it. But for some of you, 2020 needs to be a different year because you're still the one that's in control of your own life. You've been calling all the shots, and when we talk about battles and victories, victories belong to God's people. And if you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're not a part of God's family yet.
But the best news of all is there's not a 10-step program to do it. It's just by simply saying, Jesus, I accept what you did for me on the cross and believe that you died in my place so that I could have new life. So for just a moment, with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you'd say, hey, that's, that's me. I don't currently have a relationship with Jesus, but I want to begin one today. Would you just indicate that by lifting your hand for a moment? Say, I, I'm, I'm tired of being the Lord of my own life. 2020 is going to be a different year. I see those all across the room. Here's what we're going to do, church. Nobody prays alone. We're all going to pray together. Say this with me. Dear Jesus, today I give you my life. I place my hope and trust in you. Thank you for dying in my place so that I can have new life. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, church. How about you welcome your new family members into the house of God? You can stand to your feet. Help me celebrate. You can get a little bit louder than that. Come on. Amen. Amen. Well, hey, during this next song, you're going to have the opportunity to bring those requests forward and leave them on the stage. And here's what I think is so powerful about this. You, you may think, oh, it's just dropping a card off. It, it's not, because what you do when you make your requests known to God and you leave them somewhere, it's symbolically saying, hey, God, I'm going to let go of this to trust you to actually take care of it. And so during this next song, you can bring those forward and drop those in the front, and then our team's going to pray over those during 21 Days of Prayer. But it's not just our team, it's, it's our church. And during announcements, they're going to give you more information about, about that. Before I leave, we're going to sing a song called Spirit of the Living God. One of the, the phrases in it says, Spirit of the Living God. We're hanging on to every word. I would just encourage you, in 2020, hang on to the promises of God that he gives us through his word. Hang on to it. Because sometimes there's going to be moments in 2020 where you're going through battles and God is all you have. But sometimes when God is all you have, you realize he's all you really need. Let's sing this out. <laughs>